As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time. My name's Taylor Payne and it's Monday the 30th of October. Newcastle United were held to a point at Wolves and I've got George Corgan and Chris Woff here to break over the calls. How the devil are we, chaps? How are you, George? You alright? Yeah, spooky season. Devil, that's good use of the Ooh, word, don't you? Yeah, yeah. spooky. Yeah. It eventually my... came around, used it in every episode and that's now right. it makes sense. I've got, my, I've got my pumpkin on the go. Yeah, I'm alright. I was um, I was at Wolves on Saturday, so I'm still sort of recovering from that. That's a long way to go, that, isn't it, Wolves? That's a long way to it's go. It's a long, long way. Yeah. That's my main takeaway from that. Yeah. How are you? I'm alright. Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm getting over the lurgy now and I'm feeling a little bit more, uh, more tip-top. Uh, how are you doing, Chris? Are you alright? How are you uh, planning on dealing with trick-or-treaters tomorrow night? Well, I'm hoping that none of them turn up because my wife is petrified of everything to do with Halloween. So I'm gonna wow. hope that, that I'm just gonna. Put, but the thing is, if you put a sign out and tell people not to trick or treat, then they're more likely to trick or treat or egg your house. Mm. So sort of in that unhappy medium of I don't exactly know what to do. Does that actually happen, egging of houses? Because I've lived. I mean, my technique is just to turn all the lights off and close the curtains, and no one's ever either egged my house or even knocked on the door. Isn't that every single day of the year for you, though, George? Yes, and I'm quite a forbidding <laughs> character, so hopefully that. So this is the one one day of the year when that pays off. Well, I think Alice is partly terrified of Halloween because her parents, rather than give out sweets, used to give fruit out to kids who then used to throw it oh, to the windows God. of the house, I think. So I think that's oh, where... Of course they did. There's dude. nothing... Wor- what was Those people are the worst. Fruit on Halloween. What is wrong fruit with people man. these days? Honestly. Shocking. That is disgraceful, Chris. Don't go past old man Calkins' house either. Uh, he's got a... <laughs> he'll, he'll throw rocks at us and all sorts. Yeah, Just stay well clear of him. Come on, you Maggie. Well then, to a wet and windy Molyneux. Uh, Newcastle looking to break into the top five and Wolves hoping to maintain their good form in recent weeks. Slightly worrying position though, Chris, isn't it? Of the team starting to pick itself due to uh, injuries and, and obviously other absences as well. Yes, I mean, there was the strange situation on Friday where in the morning Eddie Howe had his press conference and regarding Sandro Tonali said that there was, I think it was a good chance or high chance that he would play because as of that stage, although his ban had been announced 
in Italy, it had not been yet ratified by FIFA and made into a worldwide ban. So in theory, at that point, it looked like it might be available for selection. But then later on on Friday, basically in the Friday evening, it turned out that FIFA had extended the ban. Then Newcastle confirmed that on Saturday. So Sandro Tonali, who we expected to be out, but then it looked, might look like a short-term positive might be available, wasn't. So you lost him. Obviously, injuries have mounted, as, as they did against Dortmund and Wednesday. So Alexander Isak going to be out until seemingly the next international break. Um, you've also Jacob Murphy with his shoulder injury. That looks like it could be medium to long term. Mm. And basically, it was the same 11 other than Callum Wilson, who came on in, quite early on against Dortmund, who had to start at Molyneux. And that's where, although the, a lot of those players, you, you would be you would back to, to deliver on most occasions, physically with the volume of games Newcastle are playing, with the conditions they've had to face in the last two matches, and also with the games coming up, it's not ideal that Eddie Howe can't rotate, because he in previous games, after Champions League matches, he has tried to rotate the entire front three, and on this occasion he simply couldn't. I just thought it was, it was such a beautiful, touching, emotive moment for... Eddie Howe to make this incredible tribute to Alan Pardew by naming twenty-three fullbacks on the bench. I just, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was beautiful. You know, from one one manager to you know to a, to, a, to a former manager, chains in the link. You know, beautiful, and obviously two keepers on the bench as well. There were just so few options in those circumstances. I think we have to sort of accept that as a, you know, not a glamorous point. If Newcastle go ahead twice and don't win, it's disappointing. But in the, in those circumstances, absolutely minging conditions, yeah. And with that big, huge emotional expender of energy against Dortmund, also with the Tonali thing, I think you know decent point. But just had so few options on on Saturday. Yeah, and you you were in the away end, but as well, George, weren't you? I bet the mood was slightly different from a couple of years ago when you were down there. Yeah, I um I wanted to do that, so I got a ticket with my season ticket. So I kind of went into the press bit before and afterwards, and then went round to the um <clears throat> went round to the away, and that's probably why my voice is a little hoarse because I did a bit of did a bit of singing, you know. Oh, lovely! And it's such a weird away end. I do sort of understand that now. How a couple of years ago, which obviously it was the final game pre takeover, how a flat away end at Wolves would just be the flattest away end ever because it's this. It's like the whole length of the Steve Bull stand, which is one of the big stands. It's mad, isn't it? You've got. Wolves fans above you, and even when it's on good form, which it, which it was on Saturday, in the away end, you can't hear what the other bits of your own support are doing. So yeah. for those two Newcastle goals in the first half, I thought they'd immediately been disallowed because I couldn't hear Newcastle fans at the other end celebrating. So you sort of had that, and things would sort of slowly drift along the bottom bit of the away end. So strange. Yeah, it was really weird. So I sort of totally understand that. The kind of noise doesn't quite meet in the middle but it was very good it was um it was great to be there and i had a nice chat with mark and, and donna allison beforehand run geordie run oh, as, we, yes. as we know him that was very nice and then in the stands i was next to andy so big hello to andy he's listened to the podcast asked us to give him a shout out and then to harry as well who harry and his dad are subscribers to the athletic so thank you very much and chris i'm afraid to say that harry is after our jobs he's a journalism student and um he's 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 chasing us down, so need to look over our shoulders for Harry. But what a lovely lad he was, and yeah, good luck to him in his course and his future career. Lovely stuff. Uh, another open game, wasn't it, Chris? Chances uh, for both before Callum Wilson opens a scoring in the 21st minute. I'm not sure what the Wolves keep us doing, though, jumping into his own player and then claiming a foul. Yeah, I mean, that was a, one of those ones where, in, in recent years, keepers just try and, whatever they can, try and get any contact whatsoever if they've misjudged the situation, then try and claim it as a foul on the keeper. But to be fair on the referee, he wasn't having any of it, and right 
rightly VAR didn't, didn't look at it. It was an open game, and I, I'll be honest, before the match, when um, the commentators were saying how really, really confident this is going to be a good game, and I'm thinking, have you watched Wolves against Newcastle over the last few years? This is usually 1-1, and it's usually terrible. Yeah. And I'm thinking this is going to be exactly the same, given the conditions, but actually it was a very open match. It, there was far more end-to-end action that, than, than I expected. Wolves were very keen to counter-attack when they could, and early on... Newcastle had the chance with Longstaff where he shot across goal. He was quite unfortunate. But beyond that, I mean, Wolves had quite a few openings where they got into Newcastle's half and without so much creating the clear-cut chance in the end, they were causing a lot of problems through Neto, Cunha uh, and Huang just, just running through in the, in the pace and ability to, to sort of move around. But then almost, I'd say it was a little bit against the run of play. I didn't think Anthony Gordon was in the game that much, but he cuts in, lofts the ball at the box then, yes, Saar comes and just flaps at nothingness, runs into the players who are in front of him. And then Wilson's first shot, I thought this is a repeat of, of Dortmund, another chance he think he should score. But to then have the wherewithal to react really quickly and, and with a far harder finish, yeah. manage to score, that that's exactly why he's in the team. And his, his record's ridiculous. I think it's now... In 19 in his last 21 Premier League games or 18 in his last 21 Premier League games he's just keeps scoring goals for Newcastle and yes he didn't against Dortmund but in the Premier League whenever he plays he has the best goals per minute ratio in the Premier League this season and he was sort of the, the reason why Newcastle twice put themselves in a position to win the game It did and, and the nerves settled down a little bit perhaps but Wolves were, were regularly getting in behind weren't they George and Fabian Shea was having to make some great tackles but they were needed Newcastle appeared to be giving the ball away quite a bit yeah, that was the thing that was was annoying from where I was was just the regularity with which they gave possession away in 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 sort of needless areas, and it didn't feel to me like they were sort of massively under pressure. It just seemed to be happening over and over again, and they weren't, you know, they weren't sharp in the first half. I didn't think again have to sort of acknowledge the horrible conditions, but they were inviting that pressure onto themselves. I thought. And yeah, that was that was the disappointing part of it. Yeah, and then uh, Don Goodman, Chris, he was on core comms for Sky Sports, wasn't he? Always completely uh, unbiased, Don Goodman, whenever he's doing that job. Uh, he said, we were the only team in the Premier League who haven't conceded from a set piece. And 10 minutes later, Nick Pope gets caught in two minds and Lamina capitalises. It's typical, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I mean, Pope... Should he have come? Possibly, but I think it was that was more of a sort of system failure as well. Wolves had obviously identified that they could isolate Kieran Trippier at the back post with Mario Lamina, who yeah. obviously towers above him. Trippier, you could see, immediately sort of almost slaps the ground as if to say, I've, I've been caught out a bit there, I've been done. And um, that, that was frustrating because both goals Newcastle conceded in many ways were soft and it, it's very unlike them. But again... And this is not to defend them. I'm just trying to find reasons as to why, for a team who don't concede set-piece goals, maybe they did. You have to take the mental and physical fatigue of the last couple of weeks. And to be ready to do that continuously, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, whatever it may be, against when you've just lost at home in an emotionally draining match against Dortmund, now you're positioned suddenly in just about every competition seems under threat. That probably does take us toll. That's not to, to to defend, as I say, they should have done better from it. It was, again, because they were caught passing poorly from defence. Kieran Trippier, for once, was very poor on the ball. I thought he gave the ball away a heck of a lot. Yeah. Uh, but he wasn't the only one. A lot of Newcastle players did, and it's similar to what happened with Dortmund. When you have a team who have that pace in their front three to, to create those issues and to transition quickly, eventually, if you give away set pieces, you're probably going to concede because there's going to be a lapse of concentration. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, we should 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 mention that Wolves are do look a good team now. They look they look a very good team. They know what they're doing under Gary O'Neill. 
they do have that incredible pace. But as Chris said, certainly, you know, for both of those goals, the second goal, we'll come on to talk about that, but there were chances for Newcastle to intercept or make tackles on so many occasions in the build-up to that game. If we're going to have a go for Pope possibly being caught in two minds, we also have to say that he made some absolutely brilliant saves as well. Yeah, the set the set piece thing very annoying. You could see that Eddie Howe was um, was was frustrated with that afterwards. Again, it's worth taking a step back and acknowledging just how good they've become at set pieces. And in fact, this is something that uh, Jacob Jacob Whitehead. Do you, do you remember, remember? Do you remember him? It doesn't ring a bell. Jacob, a distant yeah. memory. Mm. Distant memory. Yeah, yeah. He's actually been putting something together on on Newcastle's surprising set piece record, which he'll be looking to publish in the not-too-distant future, so look out for that. So we're going to blame him as well as Don Goodman. So. Yeah, the curse, Absolutely. the Whitehead curse strikes again. <laughs> Absolutely, and Goodman wasn't the only pundit to question the awarding of a first-half penalty as well in injury time. Uh, he joined Shearer, Wright, Payne, Woff and Colgan maybe as well, and Sully in the character of Fabian Shearer, who was apparently at fault after Huang had a big swing and clipped his standing foot. Gary O'Neill called it scandalous, Chris. Was it scandalous, that penalty? I didn't think it was a penalty, to be honest, but our producer Ollie is adamant. Yeah, you can tell that Ollie wrote that bit of the yeah, you can tell, can't you? Yeah. The, the, that wasn't at all a biased way of describing coming into this sort of incident. Um, <laughs> that both can be true that that Fabian Share didn't necessarily die, and it isn't necessarily a penalty. And I think that that's the case. You can anticipate contact, and you hear a lot of footballers say it, and some people roll their eyes at it. But if you're just taking on the fact that Wang absolutely cocks up and takes a terrible touch, yes. then for that reason, maybe he deserves to concede a penalty. Because actually, for the, until he scored what was a wonderful goal, he was terrible on the ball. Is that how it works, Chris? It, well, Is that how it works? Take a bad touch, penalty. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's you a, deserve that. So, so in the sense that, that he, he completely cocks up and almost takes too long in his own box, and then he, he goes to swipe and sort of kick it clear in panic, and Cher is going to get to the ball ahead of him and sort of puts his body in front. But Twang stops himself... And he does kick the ground, and then afterwards, Cher's leg sort of comes into him when there's a bit of contact. And the penalty's given on the field by Anthony Taylor, and then it goes to VAR, and they look at it a lot of times, and he doesn't overturn, they don't overturn it. Now, there's part of me that sort of thinks, fine, although I didn't think it was a penalty, was it a glaring error? So should it be overturned? That's where the grey area of VAR comes into it, because I don't think yeah, it is a penalty, but it, it? is it such a glaring error that you say there's absolutely no chance you, you should have awarded it and the referee's given on the pitch? So that, that, I'm, I'm caught in two minds there as to whether VAR should overturn it, because I, I don't think it was a penalty, but I also don't, I wouldn't describe it as a howler. I think it's given based on on Huang's standing foot catching Fabian Shea's standing foot, because he kind of slips and follows through, and I think it's that. The penalty's given off that. I don't think it's the initial swipe. I think it's the secondary motion or movement or whatever you want to call it that that Quang does that takes him into Fabian Share. Um and does Fabian Share get get to the ball first? He does ever so slightly, doesn't he? But it's just daft, isn't it, from the defender. That's the that's the thing. He's given the, the referee a decision to make, hasn't he, George? Yeah, I mean I think I think with all these incidents, you you sort of try and reverse it and see how you'd feel. And I think I would feel irritated if that had been given against Massively, Newcastle. Yeah. I think I would. But again, I agree with Chris. I mean in in the sense that does it feel like a massive travesty of justice watching it back again? No. And I think Gary O'Neill will probably get in trouble with the FA for his description afterwards saying there wasn't a penalty in the first half. It was scandalous. It was a terrible decision by the on-field uh, team and terrible VAR. And I, I, I think that was I think that was way over the top, no matter how no matter how aggrieved he was, it did look like Cher was going down before the contact kind of comes on one side. But he's in the box, and I just think that's 
that's natural. Yeah, I, so to repeat, I would be irritated if that had been given against Newcastle, but it's not a travesty, that, is it? No, well, Gary O'Neill might think that there wasn't a penalty in the first half, but Callum Wilson certainly did. One of his scruffier efforts, though, Chris, wasn't it? Uh, but he's now our third highest Premier League goal scorer behind uh, Alan from work and Peter Beardsley. Saw gets across, actually almost goes too far and dives beyond the ball and then has yeah. to stick his hand up and, and, it, and it gets it gets past. I mean, Wilson's penalty record for Newcastle is, is, is excellent. And since 2021, I think Newcastle have scored every single penalty they've had in the Premier League. So 13 out of 13 now, yeah, I believe. So f- from the spot, I mean, you basically have Wilson and Isak usually, but then you look beyond them and you've got quite a few potential takers in the likes of Trippier uh, and, and others who you'd be quite confident if, if they were stepping up but, but aren't, aren't needed. And I mean, Wilson just can't get this hat-trick though. He, he, he had a chance laid on to Bless get it him. and he's absolutely desperate to score a Premier League hat-trick for Newcastle. But if he keeps scoring braces, brilliant because that, that's exactly what he's, he's in the team to do. And he had to wait a heck of a long time because of the VAR review and then they did again have Bruno Gimaraes stand with the ball as if he was going to take it and everyone thinking is he going to try another sort of ridiculous run up where he's <laughs> everyone knew he yeah, wasn't well, taking fair. that penalty yeah, Chris yeah. you'd have to be an idiot to think that Bruno was taking that penalty but that's Wilson first half when he had those two moments and he scored two goals albeit, well I suppose he's the first one he can class as three moments because he had the shot saved but that, that's what he, that's what he's he's on the pitch for and his, yeah. his form in front of goal really is actually quite ridiculous at the moment so yeah you can't you can't can't complain at all about that. Yeah, Chris took the wind from ourselves a little bit earlier on because I was going to give some of Wilson's stats, but I won't repeat those. But I will, I will kind of point to another one, which is that at the minute he's scoring an average of one point five goals for every ninety minutes that he's on the pitch in the Premier League. That's a lot, and that it? puts him top of the chart in the Premier League for any player who played who's played at least three matches. Wow, it's. Unusual, of course, that he plays 90 minutes, but he did He did on Saturday. And funnily enough, I didn't think he had the best of first halves, but then at the end of the game, he scored two goals and God, thank heavens for, thank heavens for Callum Wilson. The problem, of course, as we know, is that it's difficult for him to play two games in a row, three games in a row. Somehow, Newcastle are going to have to manage his output in such a way that he can be playing regularly because there's no Alexander Isak, which is obviously a, a massive loss. It'll be very interesting to see what happens at Old Trafford on, on Wednesday. My guess is he won't play, but yeah, he's such a big player and that conversion rate at the moment is just is just astonishing. He's now got a chance to extend his lead above Isak even further in the goal scoring charts. That's been pushing them both on, you can sense it, and it's just yeah, really it's just a really, really good record at the minute, a really good vein of form long may that continue it is George do you know who uh, the player is who is second behind Callum Wilson in the Premier League for goals per 90 minutes do you know who that is um, Harland no it's our very own Alexander Isak no oh, well there you go yeah top and second position yeah, not a bad good. start to have yeah. uh, right then chaps let's have a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So, Chris, tired legs starting to show in the second half, weren't they? Notably, uh, Kieran Trippier, we mentioned him before, not quite up to his usual astronomical standard, was he? No, I mean, it's slightly unfair to, to pick out Trippier because I think there was a lot of tired bodies on the pitch, but it, I think it was noticeable yeah. just in terms of his passing and, and his quality in certain ways did did significantly drop below the levels we expect. Midway through the second half, I really feared for Newcastle because they looked like they were out on their feet. Yeah. Wolves had the ascendancy, that scored the goal, which came from from mistake, and then until Pedro Neto, who had been a real menace and has been all season, until he pulled his hamstring when bearing down, I think it was a four versus three at that point as well, Wolves were basically through on goal. Yeah, it was. Until that point, Newcastle really did look like they were struggling. So I actually want to praise Newcastle on the plate because they got a second win. They maybe needed the netto injury and that sort of delay and maybe the fact that it, it, it broke Wolves' momentum. But late on, it was Newcastle who were the side who looked like more likely to, to potentially win it. So fatigue is a real concern, but they managed to find a way through that and managed to find a way to get a point in the end, which, which yes, felt like two dropped in the sense it took the league twice, but I tweeted afterwards that it was a frustrating in that sense but there's also perversely something encouraging about the, the way that they rallied and fought back and managed to, to make it and get the draw because they could easily easily have lost that game when you're looking at it midway through the second half when Huang had equalised totally agree with that that was that was the kind of weird thing about it you, you were looking at them I don't know maybe 60 minutes in 70 minutes in and thinking oh my god they are gone you know they're gone their legs have gone yeah. they're totally and utterly shattered and the way they ended the game was really impressive there was only one team going to win right at the end and it was them and so you do whilst looking tired you do absolutely have to praise their fitness record and the way they kind of managed to manage to do that I thought that was really really impressive and you know they did have this bench which which was stuffed which wasn't stuffed full of options they didn't have options you know in terms of winning winning the match so yeah I think they I think they 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 saw out the game really well. Yeah, I, I wanted to, uh, to to pick out Miguel Almiron as well for a bit of praise. I thought he showed plenty of fight and he absolutely ran his socks off, which is what he does. You know, that's his stamp, isn't it? Uh, he was the only player who actually got substituted during the game as well. Jordan, you mentioned the changes there as well. There has been a bit of talk about the changes or lack thereof, hasn't there? And then especially with the likes of Livermento and Hall on the bench. Yeah, I mean, I do think that sort of Trippier, even if not on form and also Dan Byrne, are so important to the way the defence is structured and the way the team is set up, that it's kind of difficult to make those changes sometimes. I would also expect to see um, Liveramento and, and Hall to, to start the game in midweek against Manchester United and give those senior players a bit of a breather. That'll be the, that'll be the idea anyway, fingers crossed. So it is tricky. They're not necessarily those players who are going to who are going to change things. It was great to see Joe Willett come back on again. That's another, you know, 20 minutes or so. In his legs, that's just great. Also great to see ML Kraft back on the bench after so long out. That was just a really, really nice moment. Maybe he'll get some minutes too at Old Trafford. But it just was not a subs bench that had that had options on it. Uh, Eddie Howe was asked about uh, Livermento and Hall, and he broadened out his response to talk about all of his squad players. I've no doubt they they could handle it, but they're 
uh, obviously competing with top players in their positions and I've got to identify the right time to introduce them into the team um, and of course they've got to earn that right to get their opportunity in the team and uh, I believe in them both I think they're going to be outstanding players for us and they're training well they're, they're, they're fighting for that um, starting spot well, the balance of the bench really I, I was left with a lot of defenders and I have to be careful when making changes for the sake of it but I think I've got to make changes that I think affect us positively and that's no criticism of the players that I have available on the bench but that game would have been a very difficult game to come on into with the conditions 15-20 minutes you, know, you really want to be changing attacking players and, and trying to go for three points but obviously they weren't there for us there'd be some players in the squad no doubt are desperate to play and we're really keen to see them play so yeah I'm not sure at this moment in time I needed to get this game out the way I, I didn't have a set sort of plan to attack this week with it was a case of react to today's game and then we'll sit down and see who's fresh who's fit and who can go to Manchester United and do a good job it is fascinating with the players who Howe has and sort of hasn't used and I'll go back to, to the Dortmund game and you can see how much Newcastle work on specific systems and players in specific uh, specific systems that when Howe made the changes against Dortmund to change from a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1 he had players in the position he had two quote-unquote number sixes in, in Bruno Gimraes and, and Sandro Tonali and he had the three behind the striker but as soon as Jacob Murphy went off injured and he brought on Joe Willick you thought oh well probably Willick can play in one of these positions or Newcastle can move it around a little bit but what became quite clear was that Howe shifted back to a 4-3-3 which he decided hadn't worked because he ha- it, clearly those players haven't worked enough in those individual positions that they're playing in and you can argue should he roll the dice but that's not how Eddie Howe and his team work they're very detail-minded they're very specific in what they like from the players and and I th- he, he spoke in other interviews about why Hall and Livermento didn't come on. He said, I didn't want to bring them on in positions that aren't necessarily their strength. We've talked about can Lewis Hall play in midfield. He did. He played in several positions against Man City and didn't look particularly comfortable in quite a few of them. So yeah. it's maybe not aiding their development to come into that situation as well and, and be in that position. But I do expect to see them at Old Trafford. They simply have to play because Newcastle have too many games and too few bodies to be able to not make changes over the course of the next few weeks. Yeah, and we have to we have to sort of remember that at the moment this is very much last season's Newcastle that we're that we're seeing. It's a it's that version of Newcastle, not you know not related to anything they did in the summer. So Tonali's now gone; he's gone for ten months. Yeah, Harvey Barnes is out injured for the most of the rest of the year, and that's you know that's through no fault of Newcastle's. But it does sort of shine a light again a little bit on, on what they did with Livermento and Hall. Maybe in two years' time, we're looking at, the, at that decision to, to get them in now and it's genius work. But in the here and now, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, again, that, that's not a huge criticism on, on what they've done. It's just that at the time when Newcastle really need players in other areas of the pitch, they've got these two young lads who they've spent a, a lot of money in or will do in the case of Hall and they're not able to impact the team right here right now you know Newcastle's philosophy was that they were always being opportunistic you know being able to get these players because they were available and they think they've got these you know these these young fullbacks who'll be in the team for years to come but at the moment there isn't a place for them if they were midfielders if they were forwards they would definitely be playing now so that's the sort of or they'd definitely be coming on so yeah it's strange it's you know you have to sort of hold withhold judgment a little bit but it's the same Newcastle as we saw last season because those players just aren't available or playing 
Chris, as we know, intensity is our identity. Is the scope within that philosophy, though, for occasionally putting your foot on the ball when it's required, e.g. when uh, when Wolves are stretching us all across the pitch? It, it could be a good time just to take your foot off the gas a bit, couldn't it? I do think that they do do that at times. I think it's... I, I, I thought there were moments in the match where they did attempt, certainly in the first half, even when it was still nils each, where they did try to sort of slow it down and they, they are sort of picking their moments. They realise what they are and aren't capable of in a physical manner three times a week between now and Christmas, which is really yeah. what, what the first half of the season is. It's a very intense period, particularly with all of the international breaks. So it, it's more whether Newcastle have yet developed to the point where they can do that and they can win games comfortably enough. And, and the last two away matches they've led and they haven't won either of them and and, yeah. and that is that is a huge frustration I'm just looking at the home and away Premier League tables and Newcastle are 15th in the away Premier League table the only teams below them are the three promoted sides Nottingham Forest who have been awful away from home for a long period of time and Bournemouth who are really struggling to wow. start the season the weird thing is Newcastle have the fourth best goal difference away from home because of the 8-0 win at Sheffield United yeah, but that is their only course. win away from home so far this season yes they've played Man City and Brighton away as well but that just shows that although the home form is very strong they're fourth in the table at home it's the away form at the minute which just they are struggling. They've had three away matches after Champions League games, which is very, very difficult by any stretch of the imagination yeah. as well. That is that is a real challenge, regardless of who you go to. And they are unbeaten in those three, but they also but they also have only won one of them. So I, I do think that this is still a learning experience for Newcastle, and it is still something that their bodies have to physically adapt to, and psychologically they have to adapt to this. And I'm not going to be too critical of them. I think the fact that they managed to get a point in the end when at one stage I thought that they were going to lose the match, I, I'll, I'll praise them for that. But I still think that, that, that there are issues which, which they need to try and resolve going forward, because there's the gap suddenly to the top five, you, you look at it, and Newcastle are, are sixth but they are five points behind Aston Villa in fifth now, and there is a gap starting to open up now. Yeah, and I think having led twice, it feels more like two points dropped to me than it does a point gained. But six games unbeaten, George, it's not too shabby, is it? And Eddie Howe kind of seems like his glass is pretty half full. No, and and so so was mine. I mean, yes, in in the context of leading twice, it's incredibly irritating not to then yeah. close it out, but you do then have to take a step back and look at all the circumstances, Wolves being a lot better, Newcastle's squad being absolutely stretched, and as we said earlier, the emotional expenditure of energy and physical but that they've had with, yeah, Tenali lingering on in the background and the Champions League match. And I do think that is important, the thing that Chris has said. I think they've they've to, to come out of all those Champions League games and then go away from home and come out of those games unbeaten is is really is impressive in terms of their man- mentality because I know that that was a kind of concern or a fear within the club about how they might respond to that there has been a kind of real grittiness to the way they've responded and they did end the game very well bigger picture a point away from home you don't turn your nose up at that do you no so yeah be nice to get an away win sooner rather than later but I think that has to go down as a decent point in the circumstances yeah, that's fair enough. Let's have a little break, chaps, and um, we'll be back in just a moment. But before that, get yourselves over to The Athletic and subscribe via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Uh, pay just one ninety nine, and that's pounds, dollars or euros, depending on where you are. And that's per month for the first 12 months. Get on that offer right now. We'll be back in just a tick. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Eddie Howe's exhausted mags head to Manchester for an EFL Cup fourth round tie at Old Trafford. Uh, 8.15pm kickoff on Wednesday night, this one, George. One for the night owls, maybe. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's Chris's first day back at work. Oh, of course it yeah, is. Yeah, we're going to have a, we're gonna have a road trip. We're going to have a Lovely road little face. trip. He's devastated, isn't he? I haven't seen 8.15 for the last six months either, so it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> only one eight fifteen in your day, Chris, isn't it? Huh? I'm going to break him on his first day back. I've, I am a chauffeur on the way there and back. I'm going to be in the away end. He's in the press box. I just thought I, he might need a bit of you know lifting and encouragement. A few little reminders on how to do the job. How do you open your laptop? How do you plug it in? That's it. That sort of thing. I'll give him tips on asking questions because mm. we do know how much he irritates the manager. So... Um, important, you know, important little tidbits. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there to to both make him, and I also very much intend to break him. Are you going to sit in the back, Chris? Are you going to sit in the back of the car on the way down with George in the front? Yeah, I'm like hoping there's the a screen between the two of us as well, so that I don't actually have to converse with them. <laughs> just put it. On, I mean, on a serious point, the kickoff time is absolutely ludicrous. It's just nonsense. Absolutely it? ridiculous. Well, it's, just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not. Who's it helping yeah. that? Who's who's that for? It's not for anyone, no, is it? It's for Sky, basically. That's who it's for. It's yeah, but for why? But, why 8.15? But why, why the fuck? Yeah. Why not 8? It's, it's a nonsense time. Why not 8 o'clock? Why not 7.45? Makes no sense. Absolute bollocks. Going back to Chris, I'm, we are going to go the long way. We're going to go via T-Bay. Just, I want, I want, you know, he's going to get oh, some nice sausage rolls on the way down. The I'm best gonna, sausage rolls in look the after world. Him. I am going to look after him. I'm going to ease him back into this very gently. Uh, Man United were thoroughly outclassed by their neighbours on Sunday, weren't they? And there's no shame in that, let's be honest. Uh, but they have been a bit underwhelming this season. It's quite a big opportunity, this, Chris, isn't it? Yes, although I'm reluctant to say that, given Newcastle United's record at Old Trafford is so mm, appalling. It's, it's sort of like, it's one of those ones where you, you, you think that in some ways, this feels like an opportunity for both sides, but on the on the other hand, it also feels like uh, they, they could get a response from the opposition. And yeah, man, you know, it really did. They were completely outclassed by Man City. Once Man City took the lead, they were never getting back into that match. And at, and at Old Trafford this season, they have been poor, but Newcastle have only won once since the 70s there when uh, Johan Gabay scored in the Premier League under Alan Pardew. Oh, what a day. It, for whatever reason, just is not a ground that they do well at and even when they've taken I've, I've seen them go 2-0 up against Jose Mourinho's Manchester United it'd be silence in the home end you think this is the end of Jose Mourinho and then Man United come back and win 3-2 so Cristiano Ronaldo's first game back when Newcastle also put the frighteners at them at certain points and yet they still find a way and so there is there is that sense of trepidation I'm sure a lot of these players won't have it because they don't know all the history and, and, and the 
what's involved with it. But this is this is a, the Carabao Cup final rematch from from last season, or the League Cup final rematch, as I should call it, because it's not the Carabao Cup. Of course, um, yeah. You mentioned you've, oh, you've mentioned Carabao again. Maybe we'll get a can of Carabao for the. Should we do that? Should we try and find some cans of Carabao for the way down? We should do, yeah, yeah. Just, eat, just be wired. We have them in Morrison's apartment. Mm, Carabao, can't wait. But this is it's it's so the, there is also that element to bring into it as well that, that Newcastle really that was the the one big match they really underperformed in last season was the was the the final of this competition and so you got that rematch. I think it's fascinating in the sense that the the, the form of both sides and, the, and the, the fatigue Newcastle maybe have and the fact that Newcastle are going to make a lot of changes they yeah. made those changes and managed to find a way beyond Man City but A that was at St James's Park and B that was Man City shown of a couple of key players this is this is a different different occasion I think it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge psychologically and physically Absolutely it's the first of three matches in six days George isn't it with Arsenal coming to St James's on Saturday before we head over to Dortmund presumably this would be the match for the squad rotation wouldn't it yeah I mean it, what you know whatever you think about squad rotation and rotating I mean it definitely it will be um it just it just will I mean we saw that in the in the earlier game against Man City that Newcastle that Newcastle got through um you know in the past I would have in, under the previous regime it would have sort of it would have angered me because um you know this would have been Newcastle's really only hope of of doing anything in a cup you would have thought yeah and you know they were just traipsing along in the league now I'd, I'd definitely along, sort of ticking un- along, ticking along. Tick, yes, ticking of course. Along. Now I yeah. totally understand the re- reasoning. This still is the most likely competition to win, but when you've got the Champions League and you're trying to progress, and when it's important, if possible, for Newcastle to finish as high up the Premier League as possible again and get back into Europe, then then you do understand it. So it becomes very very difficult to predict, but. My God, just look at those fixtures. I mean, how brilliant is it? And Man U, Man U away in the League Cup. Incredible. Arsenal at home in the league. Arsenal high flying. Newcastle high flying. And then yeah, that Champions League game. It's just so exciting. I can't. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope. Again, you know, with all the ch- changes that are happen, I mean, what sort of mood and atmosphere will be on the pitch? You don't know, but I hope. You know, will will Eddie Howe be saying in the dressing room? They want a fucking fast game, or give them a fast, fast game. You know, is he from all East London. Happen, but that's <laughs> that right. Yeah, terrible yeah. Eddie Howard impression. Listen, by the way, one of the worst. I'll do it. I'll, we'll we'll do it. If they want a fucking fast game, we'll give them a fucking fast game. Give amongst him slags, give them a fucking old game. I've turned it to Bob Hoskins. <laughs> but um, I think there will be that sort of air in the in the away and the seven thousand Newcastle United fans going down. That's a lot. Should have said this earlier. There were there that were obviously three thousand at Wolves as well. Horrible place to get to. Yeah. Horrible drive. Well done to everyone who went there, and it'll be brilliant. The atmosphere will be fantastic, and I hope there is that sort of mood that the you know that yeah okay there was a there was a response in the league match last season post uh, post Wembley, but yeah would love to would love to sort of inflict a bit of that on them again. But very difficult, very difficult to predict with all those changes coming. It is. Chris, you mentioned earlier that the away record in the league isn't isn't great and the away record at Old Trafford itself isn't brilliant either, but this would be a great result if we could pull it off, wouldn't it? And you have to believe, Chris. You have to believe in the magic of the cup, in the magic of Carabao. You have to believe in it, don't you, Chris? Come on, Chris. You have to believe, Chris. I have to taste it first to be able to come back to you with, the, with the how magic it is or not. <laughs> but no, it would be an absolutely <laughs> massive result because I think it would give Newcastle some 
positive momentum again at a time when maybe fatigue is setting in and that is that mental fatigue. Whereas if you win a match like this, the the, the bounce you'd have going into Arsenal and then Dortmund, I think, would be huge. Whereas this is really the of the cup competitions you look at, obviously it's the FA Cup to come later in the season, but if you win this, you're in you're in the last eight and they got to the final of it last season. That they'll have knocked out both the treble winners and also the winners from last season if they were to go to Old Trafford and win. They'd have broken a hoodoo at a ground they've been terrible at with both those matches with the B team and then they'll host Arsenal in a match where last season Arsenal did a job on them at St James's Park. So it feels like this really could influence what comes in, in the matches afterwards. I think if Newcastle win, I think that gives them a heck of an opportunity in the matches to follow because I just think the positive momentum they would gain would be huge. Absolutely. Right then, chaps, let's uh, let's move on and we'll start to round things up. Uh, the League Cup week started well as well, thanks to uh, our women's team who beat Nottingham Forest 3-0 after a hastily relocated FAW NL Cup second round tie on Sunday. Uh, goals from Georgia Gibson, Amber Keegan-Stobbs and Casey Elson. That's a cracking win, that George, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I and mean, we just have to... I mean, just at that level, the stuff that they're having to put up with the the team. I mean, obviously that nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, that game um, was was moved from Gateshead Stadium at the last at the last minute, and then he played behind closed doors, which was yeah very sad for the people who would like to have gone to watch it. I wanted to go, then it wasn't streamed as well. So that's right. So obviously we've not been able to kind of see see much of it, but yeah, just really really professional, very. Um, very chuffed for our mate Amber. Absolutely. And um, on to the next one, then. Yeah, it's just it's it's every bit as bit as good. Seeing their fantastic team photos in the dressing room after after wins as it, as it is for the for the men's team. Just yeah, so well done to them. And um, yeah, on to the on to the next one. Absolutely, Kingston Park won't be troubled by rainfall, so this Sunday's league match against Stourbridge will take place there regardless, and that's a 2pm uh, kick-off, so get stuck into that. Uh, we've got to also say thanks to John Brown from Toon Army Calgary. Uh, we love hearing from fan clubs across the globe, so drop us an email at podonthetine at theathletic.com uh, or follow us on Twitter at podonthetine. I should just say about John, I've not managed to work my way through all the way through that email, but incredibly moving and emotive about his support for Newcastle and um, says some very nice things about us so thank you ever so much we do get to see these emails and read them and I'll work my way through it and I will I will reply to you in due course John but thank you very much Yes, John, we could have read that email out, but it would have been an entire show on its own, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. It was longer than a Colkin special, though. Yeah, it was two two shows. <laughs> it certainly was. And I'd just like to say uh, another quick word. I'm doing a little talk with Michael Chaplin, the brilliant author of Newcastle United Stole My Heart. We've had him on the show before. One of our friends, absolutely beautiful writer. I'm um, doing that That's at great, the Michael. Listen Phil in Newcastle, one of my favourite buildings in the city. Sadly, oh, it's free, but it's sold out, I'm afraid. But the paperback version of of his book is now out. And um, I, I do want to give him a little plug because it's such a beautiful piece of writing. If you're looking at Christmas presents, I would heartily recommend that. He's updated it in this paperback version. So, yeah, keep an eye out on that. Absolutely, it's a, it's a wonderful piece of work, that, George, and I'm not just saying that because I am in it. Definitely not. <laughs> well, not, not even yeah. one bit. Yeah. I did get it for Jacob for his for his birthday present, so I do think that was the moment as well when he did change to to become a Newcastle United supporter as well, which he is. I don't think he felt. I don't think. I don't think he felt anything when Everton won at the weekend as well. That's that's what I heard anyway. Wow, you think Newcastle's stolen Jacob's heart, eh? <laughs> We did. We, since since our last show, we we had a we had a little night out with him. So he left Newcastle on Friday, but um, our last sort of moment was embracing 
outside the free trade pub, oh, looking oh. looking up the river. You know, beautiful fog on the Tyne, and the credits and rolled. Yeah, he's yeah. He'll be back on the show very very soon, maybe as soon as next week. But yeah, hope you're listening. Hope you're listening, Jacob. Yes, Jacob. Hope you're well. Right then, that's it, chaps. Uh, let's call it a day. Thanks very much for your time, Chris Wolf. You're very welcome. I am dreading first day back with George. It's going to be it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long day. So yes, so we, we shall check in with me on Thursday if I if I make it that far. Uh, absolutely. That's not exactly the response I was I was hoping for. I've offered him, I'm driving him to Old Trafford and back, dreading that. Okay, thank you. Get, I'm taking him yes. to T Bay for treats. Damn me, that's very ungrateful. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And thank you to you as well, George Cockle. Be, be gentle with Chris. Well, it's, it's always been a while, are. hasn't it? Let him let him get back into the saddle. Nah, there's. I mean, you know, he's got. It's you know, yeah. I will. I'm I'm a nice guy. Short, sharp, shock. That should bring him back to reality, shouldn't it? Right. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, from everybody at Pod on the Tyne, enjoy your week, uh, and we shall speak to you on Thursday. Take care. Goodbye. Athletic.